The Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo. Uh, Patrick is on in Kumamoto. Hey. Hi. And from, I'm not quite sure where, somewhere in the East Coast. Yeah, that's right. Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, is North Carolina. Yeah. Dr. Ryan Kelly. Yeah. How are we doing? Yeah. How are you doing? Um, yeah. Let's start off. Just tell us something about yourself and uh, what do you do and why did you get sure. interested in Fulminant Alchemist? Sure. So, um, Dr. Ryan Kelly, I'm a psychologist. Um, I specialize in a number of areas, but one of them in particular that's kind of led me to you guys is what we call geek therapy, where uh, we sort of break down the psychology of a lot of geek domains, including anime. So I work a lot with uh, video game companies and media companies, and um, we use it for therapy. We use it to help. um, I'm currently writing a book called Psychology of Anime, Exploring Humanity Through Random Drawings. So, so we use it to, you know, to kind of under, understand psychological concepts, learn more about ourselves, and use it in therapy to help, you know, connect with clients and present otherwise complicated material in a very digestible, relatable way. Um, each of us have kind of our own niche. All of us are video games and, and tabletop games, but we have other niches. And I'm the anime guy, right? And okay. I've been, uh, you know, I, uh, as well as I'm co-founder of Geeks Like Us, a, a media company that combines psychology and geekdom. Um, but yeah, I got into Full Metal Alchemist. Um, well, I, got, I originally got into the the Not Brotherhood show in 2003, right? Mm. I think uh, maybe maybe I started watching it on Toonami. I, I can't recall where I first started watching it, but you know, I, I love this show and uh, you know, I love these characters. I thought the voice acting was incredible. Um, you know, I had been I had been into anime since I was probably eight or nine. Um, kind of Dragon Ball stuff. Of, I think that's a typical one for Westerners to get them into was mm-hmm. Dragon Ball. Um, and I think Toonami really kind of launched us into more. We we used to try to collect VHSs, but obviously, if you recall, it was hard. You go to the Blockbuster; they might have like Ghost in the Shell, or like you know later in like '97 they'd have like the Berserk series and stuff like that. But but uh, before then, it was hit and miss. Ninja Scroll, uh, these little, these bit, Akira, you know what I mean? But we did our best to try to find it. We tried to find stores that had these VHSs, um, most of which were terrible quality. It's <laughs> 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 so bad. I remember somewhere was like, and just lines as it was going were like trying to watch Dragon X. You're like, oh gosh. <laughs> I was very lucky to be connected to somebody who had laser discs. You stinker. But that also gives away how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So so you know, that's kinda how I got into it. Now um I love full metal, and then of course the show caught up with the manga. Um and you know, I no no qualms to the original show. I just didn't like the direction they went. Mm-hmm. Um compared with the World War One stuff and, and, and well even before that, with the way they dealt with humunculi and stuff like that. Um, and I was like, well, this seems just very different than, than where it's been. This seems mm. like totally different writing. And then I found out because it is different writing. That's I was right. like, oh, <laughs> so yeah, the manga so, wasn't finished yet. So right. they went their own way. Exactly. Kind of a, a Game of Thrones situation. It was. About? It <laughs> was. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know how much they consulted with her, you know, <laughs> I don't think they the, did at all. I don't think I don't she think had time to deal with it. She was still working on the manga. But this is something that happens like all the time. Like oh, for the, sure. the 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 manga's popular. They'll make mm. a TV show. They'll make a movie. They'll make a TV series. But 
the manga's not done, so they just like oh, we're no just gonna find a way to end it. <laughs> and, yeah, you know. it, it's like those one where like Kakashi gets a new pair of pants. You're like, okay, obviously they're waiting for the next manga to come out. Kakashi's khakis. You know, it's my least favorite episode. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I started reading the manga, and I had I had read. Um, Manga up to that point, uh, some Dragon Ball, well, Dragon Ball comic books, actually, kind of more in the com- traditional comic books, well, traditional Western comic book style. Mm. Um, and, but, uh, you know, Blade of the Immortal, um, I had gotten a, a Berserk, I love Berserk, so my brother had got me Berserk uh, when I was probably nine or so, nine or ten, something like that. Um, and then when Brotherhood came out in, you know, gosh, when was that? 2000. Is that 2011? Was that later? I, I'm trying to remember, but man, I was like, "Holy cow!" Because you know, my 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 anime friends and I always debate like, "All right, for shonen that are high action, we almost want to wait for the anime because it, it's like you get more more um, well us anyway more emotionally inspired or influenced because of the the animation. Like Haikyuu is a great anime, but like in manga form, it's just you're missing something because hmm. you're losing the motion and the action, and and it's just not as much. And Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, I mean, I, I, I fell in love with this manga. It's to, to this day my favorite manga. And then, you know, when, when the Brotherhood the anime came out, and I mean, there are slight differences, not, not terribly big differences, but, you know, I was like, this is my favorite anime too. So, so it's kind of dominated both just Japanese visual culture in general. It sort of took number one spot and, uh, you know, and, and everything else kind of fell, fell second. Hmm, I see. So, okay, you were talking about why the anime appealed to you more because of the motion and the action. I don't know. I've had kind of an assumption um, mm-hmm. based on nothing that, <laughs> that uh, people would time. rather, people would rather sit and passively watch than actually read something, <laughs> but maybe I'm being too pedantic. No, I mean, you know, probably some people, I, you know, I think if, <laughs> For me, it doesn't have anything to do with that. And for most of my, well, at least colleagues, obviously most of them are doctors, so they obviously enjoy reading. Yeah. Um, well, God, I hope so. <laughs> they, they watch the um, anime of the psychology textbook. Well, right. I, was, Mark, it was, I was about 15 when I realized that I was much more a manga guy than an, an anime guy. Like, uh, I think mm-hmm. it the, the difference between the animation at the time, we're talking like 1985, 86. Mm. Uh, that the quality of the animation wasn't quite mm. there. Uh, it had right. some good stuff going on, but I was just enjoying the art and reading at yeah. the pace. And plus, I was studying Japanese, so ah. you know, having the written word you. was ah. big. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I can totally understand that, you know. I, and then I, I'm not, I'm not old, ba- quite far, far back enough for the '80s stuff. I mean, I've seen you know, a lot of the North Star and things that where it's like, oh boy, this is this is tough. This is tough anime. <laughs> you know, they're, they're they're really they're really pioneering their way. You know, <laughs> they'll get there. Um, but I can see that to the lore. Now it depends on the anime for me. Or excuse me, it depends on the story for me, right? So most battle shonen, I prefer an anime form. Because uh, you know the voice acting, and some I like the 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 dub. Like Funimation does a pretty good job with like My Hero Academia. But like for the most part, like like and actually, quite frankly, the the the, the voice acting for uh, FMA Brotherhood is also incredible. It is did an insanely good job. Uh, uh, very rarely do I prefer the the dubbed over the sub, but I did. 
Um, but so for those, because really you do, when, when you're having these epic fight scenes and there's this motion and the, the electric lines around them, no, and the, the eyes pulsing, you just get stuff you can't get in the manga, right? Um, that just, it just can't translate because it's still images. And 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 Haiku was is was the is the biggest discrepancy for me because again it's based on volleyball and, and a lot of this stuff had to do with quick shots and quick movement and things like that. And and look, the 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 illustrator is fantastic, but but you definitely lose like thirty percent of like the ooh, like you know, where it really inspires <laughs> you. Whereas other other anime, uh, or excuse me, other uh, stories, like To Your Eternity, I much prefer in uh, manga form. Um, I don't know if you guys have read To Your Eternity by, by Oyama, Oyama, but uh, Yoshitika Oyama. God, I never know if I'm pronouncing their names correctly, but I hope, <laughs> I'm, I, hope I am. Um, oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful anime. It's an exploration of life. It doesn't, there's, I mean, there's some fighting, but it's not, it's not a battle shonen, right? It's, it's, a, it's like a depressing, bittersweet slice <laughs> of life type of, type of story. You sold me. You sold me. Depressing. Oh, I'm there. Those. I love it. <laughs> And, 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 you know, the real the premise is this, you know, this entity, this godlike entity creates this orb and whatever it touches, it takes on the DNA. The first thing it touches is a rock. It experiences life as a rock for like millions of years. A wolf dies on it and then becomes the wolf. And basically it, it you know, and then it meets an ice age owner. And as it, and that's all first episode, so no spoilers. But as it goes, you just, you, you get this incredible, I mean, it's incredibly brilliant um, way for, 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 um, for a, a storyteller to to explore life and the narrator has all these wonderful little adlibs uh, you know this sort of this god entity but but that i prefer in manga form because i i feel like it's a little bit more not that fma brotherhood or shonen battle shonen aren't intellectual but it's like you want to actually take the time to think about what you just read and in anime it's gone too fast so with two your turn it's like i like being able to like wow and sit down and think about it and then get back to the back to the book and move at my own pace and really kind of sit and think. And so, so when, when it's a story like that, where I can control the, where, where I feel like controlling the pacing is more important, hmm. I prefer manga. Yeah. Um, FMA, I, I thoroughly enjoyed both. I, I, I maybe lean slightly toward, toward anime with some of the stuff, but honestly, I, I was crying. I was rereading. I got the, I don't know if you've seen the full metal edition. It's beautiful. Oh, wow. Um, they're so pretty and they got some colored images. But unfortunately, the volumes don't line up. So this is actually uh, chapter 19 starts in this volume four. So I had to make sure I, you know. Now, this is something that mm. I just heard today is that they're uh. just now getting in the the three in one volume. Volume two has been sold out everywhere. And they're just now today. Uh, it's been available online so a friend of mine he's who started following the podcast he said like yeah. i have i've had to stop because i can't get the, can't get the next <laughs> oh book. wow oh yeah yeah it, it's certainly popular but um when i was kind of rereading through some of it and actually I had i was rereading in volume three because that's where chapters 18 uh, 16 17 18 are and um I mean, yeah, there's just a few scenes where I'm just crying, because, you know, that I feel maybe if I watched the anime, I'd be tearing up. But I'm like putting the wiping my eyes, you know, at a mm. few scenes where it's just so like, oh, my. I mean, can you not lose it when when Rinri is being all silly and then opens the watch and then the, you know, mm. Panina is like, uh, oh, October, you know, October 13th, you know, year 10. What's that about? And then Winry is just like. Oh, I'm a, I'm a terrible person. Like she's just—it's just the weight of what you know. 
and 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 to sort of recognize the 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 pain and the burden these boys have mm-hmm. even though they act like everything's all right and just keep pushing forward which was the point of the watch in the first place to sort of you know to sort of uh, formalize resolve mm-hmm. um you know and 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 it that might move too fast in anime right but i when you really sit and have to hit each frame you're like ah. <laughs> before so, yeah. before we start talking about this particular episode uh uh i i didn't realize that you were involved in the intersection of like geekdom and psychology and uh, that's mm-hmm. fascinating because there are certain things that i've been kind of thinking about uh when i last uh the december before last i happened okay. to be in a position where i could visit my uh <clears throat> I could go to my uncle's funeral in Seattle, and he's a lifelong mm-hmm. hippie geek. Mm-hmm. And uh, but his wife was telling me how he basically used his collection of books to kind of insulate himself from the world. And uh, it's it's this is a theme that I've often thought about how uh, like uh, fandom has been a, a good escape, a cocoon for when you yeah. you can't handle. Uh, mm-hmm. what's happening in the world, but some people just keep going deep into the cocoon sure. and never mm. come out. And my uncle was one of those problem. people. Yeah. No, you're, you're very right. I mean, we sort of talk about a lot of these things in geekdom, including video games, by the way, um, are, can be incredibly helpful uh, or, or harmful when it comes to escapism, right? I mean, it really can. Uh, I mean, we know that people can get into what's called a state of flow playing World of Warcraft faster than most people can with meditation. So mm. there are some sort of very real cognitive uh, 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 and coping benefits, but it's avoidant coping. And avoidant coping, you really don't want to use too much, right? I mean, if you're like anxious about what what if I die, um, what's that? What did that girl think about me, or what did that guy think about? Me? Well, those things you don't have control over. So avoidant coping would be perfect. Get your mind off it. The problem is when people use avoidant coping for things that are hard in life that they do have control over, right? And then they really should use problem-solving coping. And so that's when it becomes a problem. So good in the prior and problem in the latter. But what I love about anime is beyond just an escapism, which, by the way, I do see that being both good and bad in, mm-hmm. in the community, for sure. Right? I have clients, I love them, and I love their interest in anime, but it's like, man, you're watching how? They'll, it's so funny. Yeah. I'll say, you know what anime are you watching these days? All the new ones. All the new ones, <laughs> and they really mean all the new ones. Like it's like, geez, you know, um, you know, less manga, but certainly that. And um, but but here's what I love about manga and anime. You know, so so both of them were were inherently designed to be therapeutic and foster resilience. I mean, we look at you know the the twelve volumes of Hoku, Hokusai. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, you know, his, uh, mangas, his random drawings that allowed people in this feudal Japan, this high, you know, this highly oppressed type of culture to have a cathartic expression by seeing landscapes and sumos and, and salarymen and, 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 and marketplaces. And like, this is our life. This is, we're being represented. This isn't shogun battles or emperor or palaces or geisha. This is, this is us. This is, wow, we're valuable. And, you know, and Hokusai actually got in some trouble a little bit for, for his drawings because they're considered kind of irreverent, but people mm-hmm. love them. And then you sort of carry that all the way through past, you know, with Matthew Perry bringing it to the West and all that. And, you know, you have, um, or sorry, I was anime. but then when, you know, you got anime and it, I, I always think of this Kozu from the chairman of Toei Animation uh, talking about 
why how Toei Animation started. And uh, there's a wonderful quote, and I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember it entirely to, to verbatim. But it's essentially, you know, after the war, you know, you had one of the largest discrepancies of rate of orphans pre-bombing, rate of orphans after. We started having these this term wolf children, kids just living in the woods. It was a decimated country, morally and economically. And Toei Animation said, we have to make something that can give children hope again. And so that was the original catalyst of anime. And, and that really, you know, Koza sort of said that, uh, you know, that all anime should have three things and should, should revolve around three things, friendship, effort, and victory. So it's this medium that grew out of the forge of devastation, the hot atomic fires of, of misery that forged this medium of narrative telling and, and storytelling that is based upon don't give up. You know, you've got a place in this world. Don't ever let things get to you. Keep pushing. Like it glorifies resilience more than any other medium I personally have ever known. I'm not mm -hmm. that old, but but I like to think I'm experienced. And, mm -hmm. and and I've never known a medium to me that's glorified resilience more fully. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, so, so the fact that you have this medium that's, I mean, what is therapy if not to make people resilient? So you know, that's really kind of the main point. So why in the world? Would a psychologist not use this medium? So we do a lot of continuing education for people to teach people how to use anime. We do a lot of, you know, anime cards. I mean, we, you know, we, we do whatever we can. But, yeah, you're exactly right. It, it can be good or bad, but anime, I think, has a unique uh, uh, leg up. Hmm. Okay, very interesting. Um, all right, well, let's get into the chapter. We're up to chapter sure. 19. Uh, the Viz translation of the title is, I'll do it for you guys. Um, I was having a little trouble figuring out who is supposed to be saying that. Is that Winry? That's Winry, but because it's she's Winry. saying, Anta tachi no kawari ni. Anta is a feminine uh, mm -hmm. way to say you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, it echoes something she says later in the chapter. Uh, I, I have to say I don't. I'm not excited about that translation <laughs> oh are you not <laughs> okay. uh, that, uh, that title i mean the title uh, just because it I, I think even shorter like and i'll do it for you would have been fine mm. and and i don't know it's interesting yeah. in that situation i don't think i would add the you guys okay mm -hmm. okay Fair. I think I think it's a I think it's a befitting title. Not not translated well, obviously. I know nothing about Japanese, but I I do like the message. I think I think the idea of, you know, um, you know, to me, a, a big part of this chapter. So so the end of chapter eighteen is, of course, Winry and Paninia goofing around and opening the watch, right, and be like, oh my gosh, and uh, right right when she opens that watch, right. And she re recognizes this was a time where, where these brothers, who I love very much, you know, burned their house down, steadied their resolve, and decided to never look back and always keep pushing forward. And also the suggestion of the pain that they must be feeling and must have felt, she immediately says, I'm going back again to try to ask Dominique for an apprenticeship. She's like, I'm not giving up. They don't mm. give up. I'm not giving up. And, you know, as the chapter unfolds, I mean, really, she sort of says her purpose uh, partway through this chapter of I'm base I'm going to become better at auto mail and I'm going to do it so you guys can succeed right that basically becomes her her purpose in the story and I you know I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to have to have a purpose that depends on others I think her purpose does change throughout the book and becomes a little bit more uh, autonomous let's say or independent but uh, but at this point it's that's the resolve she steadies and 
you know, a lot of her actions of delivering the baby and, you know, a sh- shaking hand at the door, but demonstrating such confidence in front of other people with the only people recognizing she's so horrified being Edward and Al because they just, they know Winry and Winry knows them. They always seem to catch each other mm-hmm. in their little vulnerable states where no one else does, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I definitely you know? like, I like the the theme of the title. I, I would just it's not the translation. I was just being no, I, I think adding the you guys actually kind of takes away from the emotional resonance a little mm, bit. Resonance. I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I do wish I knew Japanese. It's so intimidating. <laughs> I, 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 I've talked to my wife. I'm, I'm, I think I told you both. I'm going on a big trip to Japan, and I want to try to um, try to learn more. And uh, went to a place that that you could practice with people online and Rosetta. I'd love to talk to you more later, but I'm so intimidated by the <laughs> language, you know, it'd be my first mm. character based language. And mm. it's so, but it's such a beautiful one, but no, I, so I love to hear things like that. Cause I was like, Oh, I would have never known that. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, my Japanese is not bad. His is better than mine though. And he's been reading it in Japanese and I read it in English cool. and then we compare okay. the translation. So oh, I'll ask cool. him like, How, what is that in the original Japanese? And, Sometimes it's kind of different from from the this translation. Yeah. yeah, sometimes they come up with really good stuff that just like wow, they really nailed it. And sometimes uh, I get nitpicky about sound effects. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's hilarious. Well, I've I've definitely seen it on the other side. You know, where where you see the English and you're like, yeah, that was for sure not what they were going for. You know, when, you're watching, when you're watching sub, you're like, mm, all right, you know. Hmm. So uh, where we left them, uh, so Ed and Al and Winry uh, and Panina were at this uh, uh, automail engineer's place out in the mountains, and the uh, the son's uh, wife, Satera, is uh, going into labor, and they couldn't get doctor there in time. So uh, Winry, you know, having some memory of how, of what her parents did. You know, as doctors in this kind of situation, she feels like she's the only one who's remotely qualified to deliver the baby. So she's going to do it. But yeah, as you mentioned, she's uh, nervous about it. She's never actually done that kind of thing before. And Ed and Al are freaking out <laughs> in the other room, <laughs> hearing uh, hearing the woman uh, screaming <laughs> with her uh, labor pains. And t- commenting about how they feel so useless, you know, mm. they're used to you know just taking action and you know trying to solve right. a problem, and they can do nothing here. Well, there's nothing more like hopeless feeling than when somebody is screaming in pain and you don't have any remedy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. right. uh, you know like when uh, today when my daughter stepped on a little sliver of glass, you know. It's, my wife has already taken care of it. You know, she pulled it out quickly. But I was like, "What can I do? What can I do? Nothing." <laughs> you know, watch. I can go get the antiseptic. That's what I can do. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's. Oh, and I think that's a resonating theme throughout this whole story. I mean, I think I I sent you an email that one of my favorite themes, and I think is a, a more global theme about this story, is the idea of radical acceptance. You know, a lot of individuals in the story are defined by, you know not accepting reality um, and, and having dire consequences for it. And uh, Azumi and the brothers and a lot of people, right? So, so it's, you know, they, they, obviously the brothers, uh, you know, lose their mother and they, they think we should be able to control life and have obviously these dire consequences, October 3rd, year, year 10 or 11, if it's, uh, 
Oh, no, it's 11, and it was 10 in the, the 2003 anime. But Okay, yeah, 11 it's 11 in the manga. Uh, 11 in the manga, yeah. Um, but, you know, you they, they continue to sort of try to, like, let's find a way to, to make life. And I really like this chapter because it's like th- there's there's a couple things that happen. Um, you know, it was I think it was in the previous chapter where you know Riddell is talking about how amazing babies are because in, mm-hmm. in 280 days they just decide to come. No one tells them to come. No one, whatever. They just they just know it's time to come. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, in this when Winry and it obviously is later, but when Winry delivers the baby, it's sort of this idea of like. All the research and practice of alchemy mm-hmm. can't do anything to what you just did. And you know, she keep, he keeps saying, this is awesome, this is awesome. And Winry's <laughs> like, why are you, you sound like a kid. Why are you saying this is all, like, mm-hmm. so if you don't understand, like, I, you know, and, 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 you know, so we hear a lot of times from Ed now, these comments of, you know, so Al here says, I feel so useless. Um, you know, previously when, when, when Ed is trying to make the bridge, what's the point of having all this power when I can't even use it or use it when I need it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's sort of that when I need it, quote unquote, mm-hmm. kind of revolves around when I want to bring someone back to life or save a life or, mm-hmm. you know, something. And, and ultimately with radical, radical acceptance, it's the idea of you have to be able to look at a situation honestly. What do I have control over? What do I not? Things I don't have control over, let me don't fret about that, and let me focus on the things I do have control over. I feel like this was a really good chapter for them. Is, you know this, I mean? is it called radical because it's so common that people don't want to accept the truth? I mean, is that where it's, the radical comes from? The radical comes from, it's it's like you just have to, if you sit and think about it too long, you're going to fret like the Elric brothers. You just <laughs> got to ex- embrace it in one fell swoop. Don't, you know, it's just like, there's nothing I can do. You know, mm-hmm. you just got to It's just it's just you just have to let everything go right then. And and you can't well, let me let me try to negotiate. Let me try to bark. No, you have to let everything go. And and that's very hard to do, especially for people with um, clinical anxiety. You know, um, it seems to come to several points in the story where he does make a flip like this, like something somebody as proud as him. You think they're going to hem and haw, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he apologizes the moment he realizes, oh, oh, I'm the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. No, you're you're right. And I think with with Ed and Alphonse, I mean, it's a gradual state of, of acceptance. Right. I mean, Ed, of course, has radical acceptance is, is, you know, well, at the very end, that's the full moment. That's and you can see the relief. Uh, I don't want to go too far because I don't know. Is this a spoilery podcast? Uh, no, not, not so much. <laughs> not, no, not beyond, not beyond. So, we talk so, about yeah, this chapter. Not, we try not to give away. Yeah, so, 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 you know, as we see them develop, you know, of course, we. I think that's a part of the journey is trying to be with them as they start to accept things, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like this chapter was a really strong one for that. Mm-hmm. I, if if anything, I feel like this chapter was for that. If if I were to say this this chapter had one theme, it would be. Um, it would be about choosing one's own path and, and steadying the resolve on that path. To me, that's, that's the main theme of this chapter. So mm. as, so as a, well, let's, let's explain what happens uh, sure. for the rest. And then I'll, I'll tell you my counter to that idea. Please. I have a, I have a counter <laughs> Let me hear it. Yeah. He's the grand old man of Marvel. Stan Lee was involved in the creation of some of the world's favorite comics characters like Spider-Man, Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk. But he didn't create them on his own. 
Artists like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were also instrumental in the creation of these characters, but many fans of the Marvel movies don't even know their names. Did Stan take too much credit by design? Or was he just given the credit because he's more media-friendly? Millions of words have been written about Lee, both to praise him and disparage him. What are the books about Lee that you should read? On Deconstructing Comics, we're going to screen the books about Lee so you don't have to. Join us, True Believer, as we read as many books about Stan Lee as we can stand, and compare them to each other. Find Deconstructing Comics in your favorite podcast app, Excelsior. Well, I think we've covered a lot of it already. The baby is born, and uh, Ed keeps saying it's awesome. Uh, human beings are awesome, and yeah, you know that she just did what he's never been able to do with alchemy to you know bring bring forth a life. Also, Winry reveals that she looked inside his watch, which he's yeah. not happy about at first. Yeah, he's carrying her, and then he just dumps her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dumps her on the ground. Yeah. Is it Baka in, in the Japanese? Is it a lot of Baka there? Because it says idiot like two or three times, doesn't it? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, after he in drops the, her? Yeah, and in the English uh, uh, version, he, Ed loves the word idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls Winry an idiot <laughs> yeah, a thousand yeah. I wondered if, if that's like, uh, you, know, you idiot, when he's picking her up off the ground. Okay, yeah. He, say, he, says, he, say? he says Baka at all. Hmm. What is that? So Buckeye, Buckeye is actually shortened form of, uh, you know, like Buckeye is idiot, but like Buckeye is still idiot. But it's like uh, if I was trying to if I had to explain like when I would use just Buckeye over Buckeye, the Buckeye is much more short and much more like like, you know, just anger, pure anger. And Buckeye, especially the way he says it here mm, with pause before it. Uh, it's a little bit more, there's a, a little bit more love in it. Oh, yeah. Not, not cool. that that's true every time. But no, in this sure. Case, in this case, in I'll general. Cool. Cool, cool. Yaro is basically dude. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, Pagaro is like, stupid guy. Or, Come on, bro. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, next Dumb, page is the Dumbass. Too. That's what I would say. It's dumbass. Dumbass. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So he suggests that she should go home because uh, Granny's probably getting lonely. Yeah. But she says seeing the birth made her realize she couldn't go home. Um, so, yeah, she has to try again to get an apprenticeship. And uh, the cranky old automobile engineer still says no, but he does know somebody he can introduce her to uh, to uh, be an apprentice to. So apparently that's going to happen. She's she stays behind when Ed and Al leave at the end of the chapter. Now there's always a little bit of comedy, or sometimes there's a lot of comedy. But this one, so when uh, the older engineer, I've forgotten his name now, um, uh, Dominic, Dominic, that's yeah, right, right. Um, he realizes that Winry is the granddaughter of Pinaco, who he <laughs> apparently knew many years ago. And in a frightful she, manner. Yeah, she was the, <laughs> this, uh, a, the wild woman, the pantheress of Rezimbul. <laughs> so, and we got this whole, this is kind of a type in Japan, right? This oh, okay. ho, ho, ho kind of woman. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. 
that that trope is from the uh, the the great girls comic series uh, Shiratori Zawa. Uh, no, Shiratori Reiko de gozaimasu. It's, mm. uh, I remember uh, that this, there was a there was a live action TV show of there that was, there long was. ago. And mm. basically, it's this girl who cares so much about what other people think that she's embarrassed to say that she likes this one guy who she really really likes. But every time says, "Do you like that guy?" She's like, "What me?" No, I'm Reiko. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, cool. So. Yeah, the exact uh, relationship is not revealed here, and he doesn't even want to think about her. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's going to come back later. I mean, it's it's. I have some amnesia about the, the series overall because it's been like a decade yeah. ago that I read it before. So mm. um, I don't remember. No, I'm in the same boat, Tim. Every 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 time we do one of these episodes, I read. I'm caught up, but it's like I remember uh, bits and pieces, but I'm I've totally blanked on what's happening afterwards. So it's it's really I'm able to comment like fresh, but also I've got things that resonated from the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, I remember bits and pieces of the rest of the story, but like this whole mm. this whole bit in the mountains, I'd completely forgotten about. Well, let me let me just say, I was I was afraid because you know Arakawa is not afraid to just screw with us, you know, like oh here's this new baby and here's characters we like. We're not going to turn the page and we're going to find some crazy. Like hybrid beast, <laughs> right? I just like don't Edward. Just let oh, them be no. okay, but brother. Like, oh, uh, <laughs> not again. Want to play? Yeah, <laughs> my buddy's my buddy's got a shirt. It's, it's a really messed up shirt, but it's um, it's uh. The, the girl and the dog doing mm-hmm. the fusion dance in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> no, oh no, oh no. You know that's really, it's 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 just irreverent, man. It's it's messed that's up. That's crazy. That, mm-hmm. But see, like because that particular episode like uh, resonated with me so strongly, and plus I like research into hybrid monsters and things like that. That's one of the reasons I chose uh, that for the for our icon thing. Oh, yeah, our our show. cover art in, for the podcast. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, Patrick, you said you had a rebuttal for uh, Ryan. Uh, so he was saying about how uh, it's about choosing your path, and I, I no, I totally agree with that. I'm just saying with uh, with Dominic, for him, it's about uh, maybe easing up on the you know his decided macho rules that he has in place he's you know he he still won't take an apprentice but you know he will like guide her towards where she wants to go and uh yeah there's there's a lot of like macho stuff like not it's the 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 series itself is not but i'm i mean there's a lot of characters that their their identity so depends on and even ed grapples with like what it is to be like a a a man who is Mm -hmm. in charge of his destiny and is able to right you know uh move forward in that stuff so when i was reading it the first time it never occurred to me that the creator was a woman Mm -hmm. yeah me either actually i didn't find that out till later yeah 
No, I, I think that's a fair fair rebuttal. I mean, he, here's kind of, uh, you know, it's interesting, though, because I, I view that same thing framed a little bit differently. So, so the way I view it, the catalyst to this chapter is, of course, the watch being opened, right? That's what leads into this chapter. And that, that represents, you know, Ed and, Ed and Al's beginning of their path that they chose. Um, and, and I'll start this by, by a wonderful quote from a Holocaust survivor who's a neurologist named uh, Victor Frankl. He's passed now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I knew who that is. Yeah. He, he's got a great quote and, and basically say, uh, everything can be taken from you, every freedom, except for the last, the ability to choose your own attitude, the ability to choose your own path. Mm-hmm. Despite how hard things can be for Ed and Alphonse, you can burn your house down, decide to steady resolve in a hope of insert here and push forward. And so so Winry and Panini are reminded of that. Well, I guess Winry is, and then Panini kind of gets a whiff of it. The chapter, previous chapter also ended with Panina choosing a different path of making money in a wholesome way to pay back Dominique and, um, and, and, to, and, and have more of a sense of, 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 of purpose. Um, you know, Riddell and Satara have a baby. They're taking a new path as parents. Hmm. Dominique is diverting his path. He's been a, a fairly lone, um, grumpy, heart of gold asshole, really, I guess is like the, <laughs> the trope. And, you know, as you hear a couple of times, the people are like, he's such a softy. You know, he's like, I don't know, maybe you can come by and see me, I guess. If you're in town, you might as well come. If to you really want to see the baby, I can't really stop, stop you from stopping by. I'm not going to stop you from seeing the baby if you want. Um, well, the reason, though, that, which, that, that that character right there is so uh, actually true is, like, I deal with these personalities yeah. on a regular basis. Uh, oh, sure. I don't want to, like, my, my father-in-law is uh definitely one of these people who's who will not uh he won't compliment his family in public you know and uh right he's 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 not going to give a thank you unless you deliver his grand grandchild that's right and and he's (laughs) He's worked really hard for this that's right and and he doesn't say sorry but then he likes something that he's usually a hard ass on he'll like do you want to try some of my 15 year scotch that's like he you know he goes <laughs> right. around He's got his own way yeah yeah i mean I, you know i think mo- most cultures have that i mean the, we, we've noticed that a lot of uh, the more gender dichotomized culture with traditional gender roles have more of that um hmm. you know i forgot that there's actually a term for it uh well you, you probably know it patrick there's a term for it of, of ours in the west is toxic masculinity that would be the term for it here but there's a term for it in Japan that typically refers to the, the 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 male in Japan whose head's always cocked up 45 degree angles, typically uh, jagged, you know, like and typically pretty mean to women, um, you know, uh, where it's overtly, almost comically masculine. Yeah. There um, is that. I don't have it on. I don't remember the name. It's not coming. But, uh, but <laughs> you in, know what I'm talking about. Where I live in Kyushu, mm-hmm. like just saying is that someone is a Kyushu Danji, a Kyushu guy, it okay. also connects to that uh, that whole thing. <laughs> so they're right, taking well, ownership of that attitude there. Right, <laughs> right. right, and you know, I think you know, I, I see a lot of troubled troubled males, and I think grappling with gender identity, whatever it might be, is hard enough as it is, especially as culture might mediate it. And you know that for young people, it's very hard to separate the self from the sex, you know, or the gender. And so, well, so if I, who am I, if I'm not a man type mm-hmm. of thing, and you know, we're, we're shown how to be a man, we're shown how to be a woman. And so to some degree, it's like, if I'm manly, I'm doing it right. If I'm feminine, I'm doing it wrong. 
And, you know, in a lot of cultures that are more traditional, and still in the West and definitely in the East, you have this idea that boys basically can feel three feelings, happiness, anger, and horniness. And that's it. <laughs> you don't get anything else. Anything out, you got to, if you're sad, you got to turn it into anger. That's, that's your option. You're anxious, mm. turn it into anger. Now, now, that should Wait, be what do you do with pensive? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you throw it into horny. Because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all you think about is women and your, and your right. job. Because, okay. um, you know, because you shouldn't be thoughtful, right? I mean, you know, we, there was a study done a while ago. It was done in the 70s where they had a number of terms. And they were kind of designed to be masculine versus feminine. So some masculine, now it's going to get a little bit sexist here, but some of the masculine ones were like intelligent, brave, strong, etc. Some of the feminine were like graceful, caring, empathic, whatever. And then they redid it in, uh, and this was in, in the United States, they redid it, I think in like the early 2000s. And, you know, there were, there were 20 of them and 17 were androgynous where people are like, well, both men and women could be strong. That's not really one or the other. Uh, whereas in the 70s, it was almost split. Oh, yeah, strong. That's man. Oh, mm. graceful. That's woman, you know. And, you know, I think in a lot of what's what's great is I see a lot of that in modern manga uh, manga is this coping of, yep, there still is a status quo of, of this toxic masculinity. But for a lot of these male protagonists they're learning or even you know tertiary characters like dominique it's like they're learning how to be more expressive they're learning how to and i think dominique's path is he he's goofy and, oh my baby my grandchild who's like <laughs> so out of character and then the first decisions he starts to make are are increasingly soft and and he's got his own path but but i do love um you know, i i do love dominique's character and and i would absolutely agree he's this sort of uh, what's the word? Uh, set in his ways type of gentleman. Uh, what's, you know. what's interesting is the way that he he always says kyaka for no, and it's always okay. written in this uh, mm. very uh, kind of traditional oh. type of script, okay. which is used for like sumo tournaments and uh. this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't think that there's a good way to. Uh, well, there probably are some creative ways you could translate that into the English, but basically, like I think that also shows that he's like i'm an old-fashioned man and right. uh so it's very clear in a visual uh not just the words that's one thing i like about this language and that's about awesome. the, the comics medium too is is how you can frame or uh write the text it can oh, yeah. have a big effect on the meaning so that's let, me the stuff you, I love. let me ask you let me ask you i'd be curious on the page where he's flipped the script, he says "goosh" in in, uh, in English. Like, what what is what is uh, what is that Japanese? What would that be closest it's, to there? What? It's "dere," which is like uh, it's "tereru" is to be uh, like embarrassed, you know, okay. your cheeks to be flushed, "tere," uh -huh. and it's so it's uh, but "dere" is even stronger. Like you're mm. like you're just so enamored of something that you okay. almost have drool coming out of your mouth. <laughs> kind of, you know, it's and just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the panel where he's saying, "Hey there, little guy, I'm your grandpa." Heart. Right. <laughs> I feel That's like right. I feel like a more modern version of Goosh. So I don't know if Goosh even made a ton of sense when this book was written. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, I think like maybe like doll, you know, D A A W W. Oh yeah, yeah. Or squee, or squee, or squee, you know. Uh, squee, yeah. Squee, squee might have been good. And pretty close. 
I always love it when they they draw Ed and Alan the simplistic, uh, uh, the cartoony, the cartoony. Oh, yeah. uh, they have little their own little comments to make on. My, you know they're 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 it. saying what we're what we should be thinking in our yeah. heads. He's like, turned into the doting grandpa. I miss the right. cranky version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. By the way, the, the the character I was thinking about that that um, is in uh, you know like more American uh, uh, writing or American television is Ron Swanson. Uh-huh. You know, it's like you know, Ellie, you've you've really earned this a lot, and so I'm going to muster down and be very uncomfortable to say. Thank you. What? <laughs> it took a lot for you to say thank you? That was hard for you? I'm sorry I lost my composure there. <laughs> I didn't mean to gush. Um, that's a great, it's a great chapter. There's a couple of things I think glossed over that I'm kind of interested in. Um, I'm interested oh. in, for example, oh. the... Um, like the name of this podcast is uh, the Law of Equivalent Exchange, yes. and uh, in the case of like making a baby, uh, where yep. it's like physically it's something that's close to nothing that it you know continues to double expand 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 until it's uh, a, a baby, uh, so it's like a slow motion mm-hmm. kind of thing happening. But I, I was just wondering. Uh, what you guys' thoughts were? What is being exchanged? What's the? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting, you know. Yeah, I know they say that in this chapter again. And if I were to, if I were to say what's being exchanged there, I mean, the woman and the amount of pain that she has to go through in the nine months of bearing that labor and having to give her calories to the baby, much like. Oh, no, I'm not going to say anything else. Um, so so the, the giving the calories to the baby and nursing the baby. And, you know, you've got a, at least in the U.S., you've got a 20% miscarriage rate. So it's, you know, you've, it's, 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 it's scary having a kid. There's the mm. fear of losing the child. Not to mention when the child is born, depending on your circumstance, are they going to be healthy? Are they going to be unhealthy? So, I mean, it's horrible. Uh, I don't know if either of you have children, but it's, it's, um, it's very scary having kids. I mean, it's wonderful. Hmm. But you worry, and you worry in those nine months, and, and it's work. And, it, oh, and expensive. <laughs> and, and, and my gosh, not to belittle what the uh, the mothers go through. I mean, the, the way it changes their bodies permanently. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's so I guess if and then not to mention the exchange of, yes, you're going to be you're going to have this wonderful person in your life. You're also going to, you know, be giving a lot of money towards that person. You're going to a lot of stress toward that person and, and you know, taking away some marital sex satisfaction marital or sexual satisfaction according to research by having that person. so i feel like you know kids are kind of the ultimate form of equivalent exchange there the sacrifice for a lack of better word that one makes for the virtue of having this new life you know but then again uh, and then in, in addition to that not rebuttal but in addition to that mm-hmm. also uh i think raising kids you you get you get out what you put in <clears throat> You know, I hope so. It's uh, my my parents were kind of a love them and leave them alone kind of people, yeah. and so I feel like I raised myself in most. Yeah. Uh, but I think that they also felt that I was doing okay enough. <laughs> that they, <laughs> that they he watches horror movies till three in the morning, <laughs> and he's ten years old. But he's never come crying to our bed, so I think he's going to be I think okay. He's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Little did they know. Little did they know. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a thing in, with psychologists called the reasoning fallacy that we 
we have to be aware of where we're, we're around abnormality more than we're around normality. And, um, you know, so, so we start to develop a subconscious idea that abnormality is normal. So maybe someone says, uh, you know, oh, uh, <laughs> that person killed him. Why? Uh, because uh, they took his uh, pencil. Oh, that makes sense. What? <laughs> well, no, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just saying the person has this condition. I, I kind of would have expected it. And to some degree, I mean, we, we run a group sometimes. We were originally going to call it How to Love Your Children Again. Because when you're, when you're a parent, we found that that was too tongue-in-cheek and it, it could be interpreted wrong. But you have all these parents who they come in uh, with these kids with special needs or who are very difficult or have aggression or you know, pulling knives on their parents. And they're saying, I don't even like my kid, and that makes me feel terrible about myself. So I think in general, I, 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 I still am hanging on to the idea that in general, net, there's a net gain to children as far as like well-being. But I'm, I'm around, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm around the, in, how costly emotionally some children could be all the time that I'm like, ooh. But, but mm-hmm. I like what you're saying, Patrick, and, I want, and I'm going to choose to believe that every day. <laughs> <laughs> to avoid the reasoning fallacy, you know. Well, mm. that what you just said there was quite interesting. You said that we're surrounded much more by abnormality, and so we consider that normal. Uh, but I think in in some cases, when if you're talking about normality, you're talking about an expectation of normality. If if actually the truth is that or abnormality is the majority, then we're talking right. about what we expect normality to be. Is that true? Um, to some degree, I mean, at normality. All normality is it has it, it. It actually has no implication to the quality of something. It's only typicality. In research, all we are talking about is 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 typicality. So, abnormal. For instance, to be a genius is abnormal. It's not bad. It's a good thing. In our country, it's normal as a female, eighty-one percent, to be have sexually harassed at one point in your life. Well, that's not good, but it's normal. Right. And so so the, the normalcy is just a term of typicality. Um, you know, I th- and I think I'm around abnormality on, on both ends. But I know I mean, it's an it's it's an excellent point. I think their typicality does sort of raise an expectation. I've seen this a lot. And so I expect to see it again. And sometimes that expectation is is accurate. And then the reasoning fallacy is when it's not because I might go out the door expecting to see someone try to kill a friend. You know, you're like, oh, okay, someone tried to kill somebody today, right? Or, or see someone try to kill themselves or see someone snorting blow or like, you know, it's like, it's like oh, okay, I'm going to see that at one point today. But on a Saturday when I'm not working, I'm like, I didn't see that once, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> just just to know. kind of bring it back to the story, sure, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. is that uh, we're talk- you were talking about resilience. I think that's a great point. And I yeah. think that... Uh, like science fiction and fantasy and like fandom and, and yeah. animation and manga are a great place to uh, like work out and like, you know, deal with trauma that you don't have a dog yeah. in the fight with so yeah. that you can kind of practice little league for when yeah. you get the majors. Right. And uh, I think like we, me and Tim talked about it several times during the early chapters is that Ed and Al and, and even Winry, like they're, actually a lot more willing to communicate once they realize that they haven't communicated, that they're, they weren't understanding each other. And now that they're like, oh, okay, this is why we're messed up is that I need to say this thing that I didn't say. And uh, I think they all come to that. Uh, it's not abrupt and it's not unnatural. I just felt that that's, 
that's their character and that they're that's what allows them to yeah. uh, grow i think quicker perhaps than uh, you I, know i think they've already have yeah. some of that resilience in them because of the trauma they faced maybe i think you're right i mean whether we're talking biology or psychology growth comes from adversity you can't you can't grow if you don't have adversity you'll just stay the same uh, you know and um I, you know you have but you know so it really is whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger um now as to far as what stronger means it could mean you're a dominique where you've cut off your emotions and became strong in another way which is maybe not good in some ways but i think for winry and ed and alphonse i think you're right i think it made them resilient they overcame it they got a sense of resolve and they've experienced this pain that i think makes day-to-day -day life a little easier and it makes them have a sense of competence that if something tough happens they can get through it and i think they i think ed now did close himself off a, a lot much like dominique mm -hmm. but instead of becoming 70 whatever years old i never know with these older japanese care i'm like are they 90 are they 60 i have no idea doesn't but, matter uh, you can live to 105 here and nobody <laughs> blinks an eye <laughs> right right i think tanaka is like around that i i can't remember but anyway, uh, I'm really having to watch what I say. I keep wanting to reference other stuff. But um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, but instead, to your point, we've watched them get better at lowering those defensive walls that they had to put up when they were children who lost their mother mm -hmm. and realizing these walls do need to be lowered because it's scary and it makes me feel vulnerable. But like you said, Patrick, it's like to be able to connect to Winry or, or express myself or be effective, I have to be able to communicate what I'm thinking and feeling sometimes and kind of lowering that wall, even if it is uncomfortable at times where they follow up with, you know, you think I didn't like you, Baka, <laughs> you know, or whatever <laughs> you, know, you say it. You know, but uh, no, I, th I think it's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah it's great because like I, I recently read a completely different series, different tone, different uh, everything called Misumiso was turned into a movie and it's a, basically a revenge comic <laughs> and oh. all the murder and mayhem and everything is all because of bad communications and incredibly unrealistic expectations. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, that that's that's what I see every workday. Oh, <laughs> Miscommunication boy. is like, mm. my God. If I could if I could wave a wand and change one thing about humans, it would make them more effective at communication. Mm. Um, you know, and and I think one of the reasons I love anime so much and manga is uh, I love the the high context culture of of Japan Japanese culture, or Eastern culture in general. I love that in these in these manga because. Because it's not expected, like in the West, that you should go up and I'm mad at you because you did this and it made me feel this way, which is good. That's good in its own way. That's good sometimes. Well, in the West, we don't really look for cues because we expect mm -hmm. that if someone feels something, they're going to tell us. So I'm not – we're not being very observant to people. We're not being very mindful of people's mental state because like, ah, I don't need to because they'll tell me if it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Where I love watching manga because like – you know, maybe Ed's like, I'm fine. And then Winry knows exactly what she's feeling. And she's thinking about him. And she's, he must be having such a hard time because she could pick up on these little context clues. And that has its own faults, right? Because you're, I feel like you're more thoughtful of people in general, more mindful. But of course, we need to be able to express ourselves and be able to say, I don't feel great today. It hurt my feelings that you did this. Like, here's why I'm acting the way I'm acting. So, so you know, it's, it's obviously grass is greener. I, I read that stuff. I'm like, I wish the West was more <laughs> like that. 
I can I know I have a Japanese friend who's like I wish the East was more like expressive and just say what they mean and you know but uh-huh. if I could wave one wand it would be the nice middle ground of whatever that is. You know? The point that you just made really opened a door for me right here because well yeah uh, me too actually I'm re- I'm realizing what went wrong with my marriage. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> because I I, I couldn't I couldn't pick up her signals if she didn't tell me something I didn't understand it. Yeah. I, I'm sorry for laughing. Damn. No, no, no. It's but, been 15 uh, years ago that we broke up. So, so. <laughs> uh, I, but I was just like, uh, yes, the fact that it's totally dependent on context. Yes, you do become like hypersensitive to clues. But the fact is, is that a lot of modern Japanese don't know what the clues mean anymore because everyone has evolved. That's so fascinating. I'm glad you say that because only about two months ago, I was talking with this friend of mine about that because I've been reading all these articles about how Japanese culture has really changed dramatically. The, the feminist woman in Japan, the single feminist woman in Japan skyrocketing, the, the, the increase in hikikomori. Hiki, hiki yeah, thank you. Um, th- yes, thank you. Um, you know, and, and sort of seeing the cultural landscape of, of psychological profiles change. And I wondered that, and he he was saying similar thing of like it is getting different because well, just to what you said, that's fascinating. How do you think that's going to be resolved? Where, what well, do you think? Where do you think that's going? Nowhere good. I don't. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't. You know what? It's like I've I've always kind of been pessimistic about it, but then again, in the end, humans are a lot more uh, resilient than right. Uh, like give them credit for but i I don't i think it's gonna get a little bit worse and more difficult before it gets gets better i mean there's a lot of uh like systems being put into place but it's still a lot of lip service you know like every company especially big companies have to have uh like ways to complain about your boss they have like three or four different methods you can use to come if you had like a harassment problem or something like this uh but if you actually try to avail yourself of those they don't always work as you expect uh you know like you've complained but then the follow-up there's no like what's the (laughs) follow-up that's Mm -hmm. right yeah, so that's no, I, often a problem, and I don't I don't know if that's any better in the West. I really don't, but because uh, I've spent like all my adult life here. Here, here's the problem. Uh, a problem, anyway, that we're having in the West is um, people are becoming so emotionally expressive. But of course, if you express yourself, people are not always going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, which is why people tend to not want to express themselves, and p- potentially why the East is a little more closed off sometimes is. They, they, you know, you, you don't want to, and this isn't entirely true with the East, uh, from, from what I've read in research, but, you know, we don't want to put ourselves out there too much because then we're likely to be hurt. If we say, I'm really sad today, and someone says, I don't care, well, that's going to be a, a rough go, right? Versus, so, you know, and the idea is people are so incredibly expressive over here to a fault that when people are like, oh, okay, but, and they don't get the response they want, disagreement is interpreted as disrespect now in, in my country, right? Mm-hmm. If you disagree, that's disrespectful, and, and they're going to then be angry, and we always trust feelings over here. So if I feel angry, then I must have the right to be angry, so I'm going to act angrily, and I'm going to express that fully. 
by shouting at you and whatever because we live in a low context communication culture. Mm -hmm. And so we have gone to the point where it's like, it's odd when psychologists are like, push it in a little. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a good sign when we're like, you know, keep some stuff. Yeah, well, just browbeating the other side doesn't accomplish anything. You're not going to change any minds (laughs) that way. I I did want to point one thing out because I I don't know how we're doing on time, but I I love this one scene, and and it's sort of, again, if it starts with the watch of them steadying their path, and it ends with this scene here with Panaka where she's, you know, trying to convince her dog that she's not lonely, right? But up here... You know, she has a, she says, uh, I always thought of them as little kids, but all of a sudden they're beginning to walk their own paths. Those kids dot, dot, dot. And on that table where that, that picture is, um, that watch has been before and will be again, Mm. uh, at a point in the future that's very relevant. And, and I, I can't help but think how, how, uh, intentional she was uh, mm. about that, about that scene there, um, and and how she uses uh, the watch. Uh, actually, I ha- I got a I got a really really cool figurine of Edward and Alphonse, I, and I got a base that I created that lights up into it, so it looks like Al is uh, you know doing alchemy with stuff coming up. Ed's on top of him. There's rocks coming up their back, and I it, it came and the watch wasn't with it. But all it was a chain. It was just a small chain on it. And I voiced the complaint. I was like, it doesn't have the, the chain. And they're like, who cares? I'm like, that's massively important. I'm like this nerd on the phone. <laughs> centimeter long bit of plastic chain is so important. I was like, you stripped him of his identity. <laughs> you know? They're like, like, we'll give you a new one. I was like, thank you. You know, like, give me hmm. that watch. But I, but I, I, I love that, and and I, I just think. I love these manga where you can tell they had it in their head. All of it. Uh-huh. Formalized. Oh, yeah. I mean, she never does anything for no reason. There's always... Exactly. So yeah, I was hope. looking at this and saying, okay, why is this birth here? But I think now yeah, we've yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, shed a lot of light on that point. I wanted to... I've been trying to respond to Patrick asking oh, about wh- where there's equivalent exchange in the story like 15 oh, yeah. minutes ago. Um, and, and we've kind of talked about it already, but, um, so, you know, Winry delivers the baby and so Dominic, you know, kind of caves a little bit and helps her get it, get a an internship, uh, apprenticeship. Um, so yeah, that's, that's another case of equivalent exchange in this chapter. Um, yeah. and yeah, so you, you touched on the scene with, with Pinaco, uh, and the dog at the house and, uh, then we should mention the the last few pages where uh, Ed and Al are in Dublin uh, mm-hmm. and going to see their teacher, but interestingly, hoping that she's not there. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that. I was like, were they just hoping to see Sig? I was like, who are they hoping to see instead? But mm. I think they just maybe they just want to raid her library. Oh well, yeah, that's a good point. yeah. And then uh, this guy with a big butcher knife and a beard uh, comes out and says, um, huh? And they say, nice to see you again. Now, for the, the uninitiated, we don't necessarily know whether that guy is their teacher or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's just an interesting way, an interesting point to leave it at. Yeah, it really, it really is. Yeah. 
And and I, I without going into it, I, re- I really do think the next chapter is a great transition into some of the things that, you know, some of the themes that resonated in this one, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that Patrick had mentioned and that, that we kind of talked about. Um, it really is a solid chapter. I was curious when you guys had brought me on, I was like, oh, man, like there's so many great points. There's really no bad point, in my opinion, in FMA, mm-hmm. but there are better points. I think points I get more excited about that I feel have more psychological themes and mm-hmm. uh, resonate a little more with the literature. And this was a solid one. This was a real solid one, right? Um, you know, so. Yeah. Really good stuff, yeah. Okay. Glad the time you worked out. I mean, I'm never going to look at that watch the same again after hearing you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hearing you obsess on it. I, I think oh, it's, it, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a great little, because now I'm I'm also like connecting as time, you know, as representing uh-huh. time, as yeah. like, you know, do they have a, because I'm thinking, and we, me and Tim talked about this, uh, if you remember, Tim, I was thinking about, is there some kind of deadline, like, obviously, like inhabiting an empty piece of armor is going to have an effect on you mm. over time, you know, it's not like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm still a little boy, but I've just <laughs> right. got this big, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you've gotten used to having a to large presence and being tall and whatever, and yeah, it would be an adjustment to then be small again. And that's that's a great point, Tim. I mean, and and if you recall, you know, Ed uh, does not want um, uh, them to wind the watch; they want it to keep the time of when it was, you know, basically when it was broken, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's there's a lot of research into how we think in terms of past, present, and future. If I got a picture of Patrick on the beach. Uh, and I write Patrick at the beach, 2021. Well, that's probably not very accurate because as far as I don't know what he was thinking about. Was he having a memory? Was he thinking about the future? Was he just living in the moment and appreciating the feeling of the sand on his feet? You know, our brains are not stuck in one time. In fact, neurologically, we can very much time travel. If I remember a moment, say, taking my kids to Disney World and I vividly remember it with my eyes closed and I try to grasp every detail. The same cortical areas of my brain that lit up during that day will light up again, and I will mm-hmm. feel happy again. I'll feel fatherly again. I'll feel paternal. And same thing with the future, like people with anxiety. If I imagine something horrible happening or failing or getting made fun of, cortical areas will activate as if I'm getting made mm. fun of or failing because the brain time travels in that way. Uh-huh. And and I, I, I love when we look at the past, present, future. We look to see what's the most important thing we can get out of each. What we've discovered is we get our sense of meaning from our past, okay? So that's, that's the watch. That's where they get their sense of meaning from, right? Is kind of what, what that happened. Um, we get our sense of self-determination in the presence. That's radical acceptance, the feeling of, I know what I'm capable of, right? I'm not gonna blame the world. I'm not gonna say, well, I would have done better had they not cheated. It's, I recognize I can't stop cheaters or death or whatever, so I gotta focus on what I want. And then in the future, that's where we find our purpose. Right. And and so and, and it's so interesting because I feel like these writers just have a natural understanding of the research just because they're so wise. And I feel like she really does a fantastic job kind of striking those points and having to Patrick's point, very real tangible things of like the, the watch with a broken time stuck in the past is their is their meaning mm-hmm. is where they get their meaning from. It's like, wow, that is that is really creative, you know. Yeah, it, it's just it's just a fantastic story. I, I could I could analyze this thing all day long. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, hmm. we're gonna have to label this one a very special episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Doctor Kelly tears up and like a Westerner. <laughs> Patrick says, "Shut up!" Like like Dominique. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, this has been great. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, and Patrick, you know, uh, the law of equivalent exchange means... You get what you pay for. Yep, see you next time. <laughs> see you, everyone. Next time. But wait, there's more. Uh, we have a little bit of kind of full metal alchemist news. Uh, so, well, actually, the reason I even knew about this was that I was looking a little bit, not as much as I wanted to, at uh, full metal alchemist stuff on Reddit, thinking I might find a way to promote our podcast there. Um, and the very first thing I saw was an announcement that uh, this month's issue of Shonen Gangan, the magazine that uh, Fullmetal Alchemist appeared in, uh, was going to have a Fullmetal Alchemist-related announcement in it. Um, and Fullmetal Alchemist is on the cover. Um, there are, of course, not any actual Fullmetal Alchemist comics in the issue, uh, but there's an announcement that of the return of the Fullmetal Alchemist exhibition uh, to be in Tokyo this December and Osaka next spring. 4,900 yen a shot <laughs> to go in and look at Fullmetal Alchemist panels at a larger size, I imagine. Um, now, you said you went to, you went to an ex maybe the same exhibition a few years ago. Yeah, if it's if they're saying that it's it's one that went around from 2017 2019, that's definitely the one I went to. I looked mostly at the paintings because I hadn't finished reading it at that point. Mm. And so Right, yeah, the, it was an exhibition with spoilers in it for you. Well, yeah, it's the whole last volume basically, all the original art. For the for like the last few stories, so I was like going, you know, with blinders on. <laughs> Just bought some junk hmm. and. Uh... Right, but also there is a two-page announcement of a forthcoming Hiromu Arakawa new comic. Doesn't they don't even tell us what the title is, uh, or when, or when, yeah, it's or exactly. Be. It just says coming soon, new comic from. Hiromu Arakawa, and there's a sketch showing a determined-looking character. I'm not even quite sure if this is a boy or girl in the foreground. And then behind that character, there's a larger, much larger image of a character who is wearing a hood. And an eye patch. Well, yeah, there is an eye patch there, isn't there? Um, behind that figure, there are a couple of the kind of guard dogs that you see at uh, Shinto shrines in Japan. Uh, and then there's a, kind of in the distance a woman in kimono kneeling behind some kind of railing or bars or something. And yeah, and then at the bottom you can all see a Shinto shrine gate, the Tori gate. Uh, so apparently it has something to do with shrines or Shinto or something, the native Japanese religion that most people don't belong to. <laughs> <laughs> All we know about this, uh, this character in the foreground is they have a bow and some arrows. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see, you can see the bow in one hand and then arrows kind of peeking out the back and they have a nice muffler. Uh, scarf. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, not a car muffler. Floating in the breeze. Yeah. So, 
you know, sounds like it could be good. Um, well, to see what happens. Um, it's not going to be about cows and milk. So, <laughs> you know, there's that. We got that going for us. Yeah, well, I never I never got around to reading Silver Spoon. I, I you know what? I, I, I read a little bit of the first volume and, yeah, I just wasn't, I wasn't in the right mood for it, I don't think. So, hmm. uh, if you're expecting, you know, Full Metal Alchemist type. Yeah, it was clearly a very different comic. Yeah, very different. Uh, this one looks like it might be a little bit closer to the tone of Full Metal. Yeah, I'm going to agree. There's other news. Apparently, they're going to make a smartphone game that'll come out this winter. Uh, and so they've got a couple of different things planned for the 20th anniversary uh, of the comic. Hmm. So Right, yeah, the whole, the whole thing is about the 20th anniversary. So that's that's Fullmetal Alchemist news that we found here in Japan. Uh, when it, when any of this is coming out of, in English, no one knows yet. But <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Next time. Our theme is Cryosyncope by Winterfiend. You can follow us on Twitter at L-O-E-E Podcast or email us at L-O-E-E Podcast at DeconstructingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at Patreon.com slash DeconComics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of DeconstructingComics.com.